But we were those neighbors in suburbia that had the backyard chickens and the farm that was busting out of the fences, you know, like <laughs> the, the gardens and fruit trees and berry bushes and stuff. We, yeah. we were farmers looking for a farm. Yeah. We were a farmless farmer. <laughs> yes, we were farmless farmers. <laughs> Hey Islanders and welcome to episode 150 of the Command of Voice. Today I speak with the founders of Our Legacy Fields. Please welcome Renee Ellsworth and Lee Fiedler. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview local business owners, comedians, singers, and more. I dive into their backstory to find out how they got where they are, what are some of the tips for you to do the same, and find out where they are going. Tune in every week as I interview more of the people you see every day. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. And if you aren't following my Instagram, I am failing at my three posts or three things a day a week challenge, but I am still um, on Instagram at the Commando Voice, so please follow me there as I attempt to do challenges that I'm failing miserably at. Um, all that to say, welcome back. Uh, hope you guys are having a good week. Uh, here on Kameno, it is a nice sunny day, uh, which is great because we haven't had these for a very long time. Uh, this week is finally being kind of like a, a really hot day. So, um, yeah, finally getting there. So anyways, um, hope you guys are having a good week. Um, so today I am speaking with the founders of Our Legacy Fields. They are located in Stanwood. They are a lavender farm uh, out on the outskirts of Stanwood. And Renee and Lee both are career woman, women. They uh, have been working in, you know, kind of high stress, high energy uh, career field, both down in Seattle for uh, many, many years. And um, this opportunity kind of came up. And for them, I think they were, you know, they talk about creating a space where people can really do what's important. Um, for them, they were like, we need a place that we can slow down, spend time with friends and family, um, and connect with people, and relax. Um, and, and many people may know Lavender has a calming aspect to it. So, um, yeah, so they started Our Legacy Farms with kind of that in mind. And um, so they're located in Stanwood, so be sure to go check them out. Um, I have a link to their website uh, in the show notes, so be sure to check them out there. Um but yeah, so we get to get into their background, uh, what their careers were, and how they eventually found um, our legacy fields, and, and why they decided to start this, why lavender, um, and uh, yeah, how it's kind of gone for them. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Renee and Lee. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with the founders of Our Legacy Fields. Welcome to the podcast, Renee Ellsworth and Lee Fiedler. Fiedler. Thank you. <laughs> I checked the first name and not the last name. That's okay. All right. So tell us a little bit about uh, Renee and Lee. You want to go for it? So Renee and Lee is a couple. We, we run a business together, but we're also a couple. Uh, we've been together almost 10, 10 years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we met in 2012. And um, we started our journey together. We were both... Very busy downtown Seattle workers. Okay. Um, big I, careers. Yeah. Big careers. I brought two kids to the relationship that were, they're teenagers now. They were five and six when we met. So basically, Renee is 
They're, she likes to call herself their bonus mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they pretty much see her as mom. So. Nice. Um, and we've kind of evolved over the 10 years as two very busy, career-minded, career-focused people into uh, now life-minded. Um, Purpose-seekers. Purpose-seeking. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be too busy for life anymore. We wanted... We really wanted a shift into something that brought us joy and slowed things down and gave us time to visit with the people that matter most, including the kids. And our, we both have aging parents and that we want to spend more time with and our friends and all the things that, that bring joy in life. So yeah, that's awesome. That's who we are. Yeah. yeah. I would say the two of us, who are we? We're optimists, uh, hard workers, um, definitely golden rule followers. Um, we enjoy time with each other, time outdoors. We love the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Uh, we're energetic, even though everything hurts right now because it's farming season, but <laughs> <laughs> we still have the energy and the intentions um, to do great things. And so uh, we've been doing great things for other people and organizations, and you know, we we want to do great things for each other, for our family. Yeah, awesome. So um, where did you grow up? We'll, we'll start with Lee. I am from Indiana. Okay. And I spent my entire childhood there uh, and went to college there. And then I joined the Navy. And the Navy, after sending me all over the world, landed me. And I was stationed out of Bremerton for a couple of years. But then I went and did a couple of years in Florida. But I, I loved this area so much I came back okay and I got out of the Navy and I stayed here and I, so I've been here since 1994 and now it's home and um, yeah but Indiana was where I grew up so. okay nice what was it like growing up there <laughs> well I always joke that I had a very Norman Rockwell uh, yes. childhood we <laughs> we didn't have a white picket fence but we might as well have um, just a I grew up in this neighborhood where all the kids didn't were... need fences. That, no, yeah. no one had fences because we all liked each other and our dogs could go to each other's yards and yeah. all the kids played together. It was literally an oval of a neighborhood and the, we were all contained in this oval and it had a pool and it... Wow. It was every parent's dream for their child. Mm -hmm. um, you know, come home when the street lights come on and if you do something... Every single neighbor knows who you are and will call your parents, so you're, <laughs> you're held accountable by everyone. But yeah, that's Indiana was, ama it was an amazing place to grow up. Um, by the time I hit my early 20s, I was ready to kind of get out and explore. It's very flat and not a whole lot of, um, not a whole lot of things for a young, adventurous person to do, especially an outdoorsy person. Yeah. Um, it truly is full of corn and soybeans. <clears throat> so, and really good people. I wanted to, I wanted to branch out a little bit, and, but I'll, it, Indiana will always be home to me. So. Yeah, very cool. All right, and Renee? Native, Washingtonian, born and raised. Okay. Uh, born and raised in Woodenville. Oh, yeah. And back in the day, Woodenville, to me, felt a lot like Stanwood is today. You know, small, yes. small town. Yep. Uh, a lot of open spaces, some, some, um, farmland still uh, back in the day my friends used to think I lived out in the sticks and now it's completely unrecognizable yeah um, I haven't driven through there in years mm -hmm. but I hear from everyone it's just it's completely developed and 
you know, 4,000 wineries and yeah. all that stuff. But back in the day, it was like the Little League baseball fields, uh, Chateau St. Michel, we used to you know, play hide and seek in the little vineyard, you know, and it was just a wonderful place to, to grow up too. It was, yeah. um, Woodenville was my Pleasantville. Yeah. It was gorgeous. It yeah. is gorgeous still. Right. Yeah. Also, just changed. Yeah. So the just apple different. fell from the tree and like rolled a little bit. Yeah. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I've talked to different people like from either Bothell or Woodenville and they're just like, you know, they grew up and they're like, yeah, it was just like a small town feel yeah. and all that. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. No. So I grew up and, and out. I graduated from high school, Inglemore High School. Okay. And didn't want to go straight into college. I didn't know who I wanted to be when I grew up. I didn't know, you know, really what I was good at. Yeah. Um, and so I, I worked all through high school mm-hmm. and got an apartment. Was so excited to be independent and be out on my own. Yep. And like pay rent. <laughs> you know, have dinner parties with friends. I was so excited for that. Uh, so landed in Kirkland. Okay. Uh, the Juanita area. And got an apartment with a coworker, um, and just picked up a job. Yeah. And it went from there. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, did you guys, uh, um, uh, Lee? I know you went with the Navy. Did you guys end up uh, going to college? Did you end up going to college and studying stuff? I went to college first. I went to Purdue University in Indiana. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of an, my parents were both teachers, so there was never really a "Do you want to go to college?" It yeah. was "Which college are you going to?" Uh, and I, you know, I was blessed enough that they paid for my college and when I went to college it the prices were very reasonable right and it didn't break a family to pay for tuition so anyway I went to Purdue I studied environmental science okay Uh, I really wanted to be out in nature for my life and so um, oddly enough that degree landed me in the Navy because the Navy used to have an oceanography program okay Uh, it has since lost its funding and is no longer, uh, as far as I know, it wasn't, it, it was shut down by the time I was in the Navy. So I kind of finished out my four years and, um, and then I went back to school later on the, cause I got the GI bill, got a master's degree in business. Cause okay. I thought, well, if, if I'm going to have to do anything in this world, I'm, it's going to have involve business in some way or another. So yeah, went ahead and got a master's. Um, <clears throat> never really, I mean, I suppose it's, it didn't hurt me by any means. Yeah. It, did, it didn't end up getting me a career, but it didn't hurt me. And so, yeah, I did go to college and went to the Navy and kind of did that backwards, but that's okay. <laughs> nice. Awesome. And Renee, did you end up going to college as well? I did eventually, yeah. Okay. So in my quest to figure out what I was actually good at, yep. uh, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of sense in going straight to college straight away from high school. I didn't want my dad to put a bill for me to try to figure it out. Yep. Um, I thought I, I, you know, I should develop a plan before I would ask for that, uh, and got a job in commercial real estate, answering phones at a front desk. Okay. In a property management office at CB Richard Ellis, and great place to cut your teeth for commercial real estate. Yeah. But I come from a family of builders. Okay. And so my dad owns a general contracting company. My grandfather was a builder. My great grandfather uh, was a logger, also a builder. Uh, and so a lot of that made sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. I understood the language. Yep. And love the smell of sawdust. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this could be a thing. This could be a pathway. And my career just moved up step after step after step. Okay. Following that. So I'm like, you know, I'm good at this. I'll just keep doing this. Uh, and so one commercial real estate company to another. I went to uh, Speaker Properties from CBRE. 
Okay. And was there for a couple, like five minutes before it was acquired by Equity Office. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, at the time, Equity Office was the nation's largest owner operator. Okay, got and, it. And um, it felt big, you know, really big. And Speaker Properties was up and down the West Coast, you know, family owned and operated. Yeah. So it smelled, it felt smaller. Yeah. Um, and then EOP came into town and we were all kind of freaked out a little bit, but I went with it. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, and my career evolved in property management there. I was working downtown Bellevue. Okay. Uh, on high rise, always commercial. Yep. And bought a condo in Bellevue. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. Like, this <laughs> is working. This is, you know, the recipe is turning out. Uh, and then they shifted our office location, our headquarters location, to downtown Seattle. So I started working out of, it was Bank of America Tower at the time. So yep. Columbia Center now. The city, the city's tallest building. And oh, okay. So then uh, Equity Office uh, sold into a million little pieces. It was one of the largest commercial real estate transactions in history at the wow. time. Wow. And we knew it was coming. And my boss at the time, our regional senior vice president, said, I think it's time for me to you know, chase after my dream of opening my own thing, putting yeah. my own shingle on the wall. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so <laughs> I hired myself, essentially. <laughs> Didn't really have an option. And we got to work and started a, a small boutique commercial real estate firm. Okay. With the intention of being full service one day when we grew up. Yeah. And uh, what was two people at the time became five pretty quickly, and then 25, and now it's 200 employees. Wow. Okay. Doing really well in the Seattle, Portland, and Denver markets. Okay. Um, and so, uh, when, if I rewind a little bit. Uh, I was doing a little bit of everything. I was wearing a million hats. Right. Starting a boutique, you know, a startup firm. Yeah. Do all of it. Yes. Uh, and at one point in time, I sat down with my boss, who is a friend, uh, and he was like, you got to specialize. You know, we're getting too big for you to, to run a million different directions. What do you want to do? Yeah. It was always people first for me. And so I said, human resources. I want, you know, I've had a hand in hiring every single person in this company. I want to continue to care for them. Yeah. Um, and so then, well, if I'm going to do that, I should figure out exactly how to do it. <laughs> so I went off to University of Washington and took courses in human resources management. Okay. So that was my around the way pathway to higher education. Yeah. Um, where it was purpose first or figure out where I, who I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then figure out how to do it really well. Yeah. Very cool. So I, this is a complete sidebar, but um, what was it like working in Columbia Tower? Just because, I mean, everyone that goes through Seattle or a large city with a bunch of high rises, the amount of times I look up, I'm like, what's it like working, like going day in, day out into that type of an office? Awesome. Uh, Columbia Center is, is amazing. Uh, but at Equity Office at that time, we owned it when 9-11 hit. And oh, Okay. And wow. we, uh, DOD, Department of Defense, was in the building, and we you know, knew that we were on a little bit of a target list. Mm -hmm. A little bit of a target list. Mm -hmm. A target list. Yes. <laughs> I minimize it from, you know, so that I can still sleep at night. But, right. Um, so that, that was sobering. You know, it, at first it was, it's, it's very exciting. It still is to work in essentially a vertical city. It has three floors of retail. It's a beautiful building. Um, but to uh, to kind of 
be in the heart of the city, yeah. you know, was a dream of yeah. mine. Um, the hustle and bustle, like you feel that that energy. Yeah. It's struck. It, the cities are hurting right now. Yeah. Um, it'll get back, but it's going to take some time. But at that time, it was the pinnacle. Like, yeah. Okay. This is pretty cool. Well, <laughs> it, that you know, the other thing I think to note is that that's more peak Seattle. Oh, yeah. Like. Things yeah. were going well. Mm-hmm. It was looking like an like when you went to Seattle, it was an amazing city yeah. to visit. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, entertaining my <laughs> sidebar sure, yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So then, um, okay. So then, <clears throat> you were working in Seattle during that mm-hmm. time. And then what were you doing once you got out of the Navy? Mm-hmm. So I went on a. I don't know. I ended up being a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, I did work for the Department of Ecology, the State Department of Ecology, for a few years and realized, um, well, I don't know. I was over in Spokane, and there was um, kind of an enforcement component to my job. Okay. And I met a couple of sheriffs, and I thought, oh, wow, well, this seems fun. Um, And my dad also, growing up, my dad was, I I grew up in a small town, my dad was the, the high school principal and the police commissioner of the town. <laughs> and so, uh, you know. So she couldn't get away with anything. No, I, I got away with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried my hand as a police officer. So in 20, um, what, what year did I start? 2007, mm-hmm. I hired on with Seattle Police. Okay. And so I became, again, back in when Seattle was an awesome city. Yeah. Not that it's not anymore, but it's having it's a having moment. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I too loved the energy of the city and couldn't wait to go to work and had so much fun. And um, when we met in 2012, we we both loved our jobs, loved them. So there was a lot, uh, a lot of purpose there for both of us in our careers to help create great places yeah you know for her safe places for people to live and enjoy mm-hmm. um, and for us to to build and manage great places for for people to, to work and enjoy yeah and you know that was a big common thread between us we, we want to create place yeah that's important to us right um, it still is mm-hmm. it's just evolved a little bit yeah so it's evolved it, a lot we, yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we just brought that intention home yeah so, um, do you still have friends that are within the police department down mm-hmm. in Seattle? I do. How are they handling everything? That I mean, obviously, we've gone through so much stuff over the last four years. But, like, currently, like, just the state of Seattle and stuff, how do they handle all of that? Um, you know, I think a lot of people... Uh, it's it's a hard time to be a Seattle police officer. Yeah. I mean, I just left in February. I don't technically retire until next week, but uh, I've been burning vacation time. Okay. Um, and so I, when I left in February, morale is just really, really bad. Yeah. The department's down 40%, so everybody's worked to the bone. Wow. And it's it's a hard time. I, I think it's a hard time to be a cop anywhere, but right. I can only speak for Seattle because that's all I know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they're... They're struggling. A lot of people are stuck, if you will, because they've got families and bills to pay, and yeah. they've got to they've got to get that steady income. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously, 
not, a lot of people are not stuck and have left, and I'm one of those. Um, I was eligible to retire this year and took the very first opportunity I could. Yeah. Um, because I was one of those with morale that just kind of hit rock bottom and just, it's unfortunate. I'll always be proud that I was a police officer and I'll always be proud that I did it for the city of Seattle, but it's, it was time to go. Yeah. And I think it's time to go for a lot of people. Yeah. Luckily, there's there are new people out there, young people with the energy, the right energy and the yeah. right mindset to go out and do that crazy job. I yeah. don't know what they're thinking, but they do. <laughs> and so good on them. <laughs> I'm sure that's We're happy that they exist. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm sure that's what the, you know, the older officers that were there when you signed on were thinking too, I, like, oh, I think, yeah, yeah, I think that's a generational thing. <laughs> sure. As you become an old crusty cop, you're like, what did, why did you want to do this? And, so yeah, I, I'm grateful for all of them that come in and does that, that was my last job was to train new officers. And every one of them that came in, I was like, thank you for being here and taking my place because this just isn't, I don't have it anymore. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I, I've, I've interviewed and spoken with uh, dispatchers, um, police pe- uh, policemen, uh, firefighters, and just, you know, those type of that type of work takes a toll on you, not just yeah. physically, but emotionally, Completely. mentally. You're constantly in this state, you know, and I've never interviewed a um, ex-military or at least gone into the kind of that background and stuff. But I imagine it's similar where it's just there's certain things that like our bodies can handle stress and we can we can get through things. But at some point, your body says, no, I, I can't handle anymore. Yes. I think that's the key to being any kind of military or first responder and even now, I think we, you know, social workers, uh, hospital workers have mm-hmm. have turned into first responders, yes. especially through teachers. the pandemic. Yeah. Teachers have too. Yeah. And I think the main <clears throat> thing is to know your when and yeah. and don't be ashamed of that. And I know mm-hmm. for police and fire anyway, there's a real big push for wellness yeah. and how to keep that life balance of still being able to do the job but also being able to get away from it enough to keep to keep things turning in the right direction yeah. if you will um so hopefully they keep putting that focus on for first responders or it's just it's going to be a, sh- a shorter and shorter career for everybody right. i think if, yeah so. well yeah and it's funny because one of the other gals that I interviewed that was the uh uh the dispatcher she ended up doing flowers. It was like, oh. what, like the farthest thing away from that. Like, what yep. can I do that's just in the garden, <laughs> relaxing, and yes. um, and you guys are doing your yeah. guys' thing too. So yeah, you like, can kind of yeah. see what brought like, us what's to away where we from are. Everything <laughs> that I was just doing. Okay, here we go. Let's find the exact opposite. Yeah. And, oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I do think, um, you know, especially in Seattle and stuff, you get. For the for the police department and stuff, they're getting hit on literally both sides. Like, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Like, they're getting kind of hit from both sides, and um, you know, so I, it's just such a difficult spot right now. It's um, always been kind of a no-win position, yeah. and we're told that you're, you get told that in the academy. You're yeah. not. You're never going to please. You're you're going to please almost nobody right. doing this job, and so. <laughs> Victims, criminals, all of them, they're going to be unhappy with the way you've done this. Um, And that's okay. It's just, um, I don't know, the last few years have just, things have taken a turn, unfortunately. So, but hopefully it'll turn back. Yeah. Well, congratulations on retiring. Thank you. That's that's Thank exciting. You. I mean, you're kind of jumping 
out of the pan into the fire now, but you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much. Awesome. So, and, and uh, Renee, then, yeah. what kind of brought about your retirement, or not retirement, but like yeah. moving out from what you were doing? Yep. We're calling it semi-retirement. Okay. Um, it, June 1st was my last day in the office working downtown, and we, I've been working remote. You know, my workforce, for the most part, has been working remote okay. since the pandemic started. Yeah. Um, you know, except building engineers need to show up and keep the building operating. We've had property management on the front lines, you know, that someone's got to replace the plywood on the windows yeah. and, and our, our cities have been pummeled yeah. for years and so have the employees. But for me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm semi-retiring from a position as a vice president of human resources okay. and organizational development. And, um, I love that job. It is a, the perfect job. It is such an awesome position to be in, a yeah. career to, to embrace. Um, for me, it was us discovering what's enough mm-hmm. uh, and and when. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they climb the, the corporate ladder and then they perch on the top rung forever. Yeah. And they just <laughs> stay put. They post yeah. up. And for me, it was never about that. It was, you know, try to accomplish something great, feel really good about it. And when that tide turns, when my interest or purpose starts to shift, yep. I start asking myself, you know, why, uh, then it's time to reevaluate yep. and turn around and help somebody behind me into that perfect spot. Yeah. And for, for us, it was discover what's enough in life. You yep. know, what, what's enough to sustain our lifestyle, our, our chosen lifestyle, um, to afford that. And at that moment, then, make sure that we're measuring twice, cut once, and go for it. And so um, I hired an amazing team, essentially, to replace me. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so uh, encouraged them to do great things and uh, support their education Mm -hmm. to be ready for this, to sit in what I consider the coolest seat in the company. Yeah. Um, And so once we reached that moment, um, it was time to, to pull the trigger. I'm still affiliated with the company. I'm, st- you know, I'm taking the summer off to get this farm off the ground, uh, but I'll be applying my assistance if they need me. Okay. They know, they know where to find me. Yeah. And I'll be out twirling in the lavender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So with um, with human resources, you know, yeah. that's obviously within companies that it is the greatest joys and the greatest heartbreaks yeah. of within a company. Yeah. How do you, what are the, some of the, maybe some of the lessons or things uh, in one, in growing a company from so small to building out that big of a team? Yeah. Um, what are kind of the main North stars when you're in that seat? Yeah, uh, it, it, it was easy for me because I'm like a high frequency empath. So it was, it was easy for me to determine like what's the best, most generous option out of all the options mm-hmm. in front of us. And it was never about being a profit center you know, a highly profitable company, but it was always like, we're we're an employer. Yeah. We're a great place, creating great places. You know, this company needs to have the kind of culture where people are proud to be a part of it yeah. and go home with energy and, and proudly share their story with their families yeah. and want to do it again. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to be there on everyone's retirement day. I wanted to celebrate those things. And so for me, it was creating the kind of company that had the benefits to support people in whole ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a wellness program isn't just, you know, having a steps challenge. It's 
financial wellness. Everyone gets a financial advisor. It's um, physical wellness, it's mental wellness. Everything needed to support the whole person. Yeah. And not just them, their whole family. Yeah. So for me it was, you know, what's the ideal company? What's the, who gets the opportunity to help create an ideal company? Yeah. And what can I do? Yeah. You know, how can, how can I bring uh, those perspectives or those needs of the employees to the table and make great change? Yeah. And if, if a suggestion or if I knew of an employee needing something, chances are somebody else needed it too. Yeah. And so implementing programs that satisfy more than just the one. Yeah. So did, was that something you guys started out the gate with or did you slowly kind of build that over time? No, out of the gate. Okay. Because I was there at the beginning. Yeah. I was there at the starting line. Yeah. And it wasn't just a company. You know, I, we weren't trying to create something great for everybody else. I wanted to be a part of that too. I wanted, you know, I wanted to feel energized and good and proud at yeah. the end of the day too. Yeah. Um, and to be a part of a company from day one, mm -hmm. but not own the company, you know, you feel like an owner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I still have, I poured all of my maternal energy into this firm. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of time and attention and care that went yeah. into all the decision making. Right. So it, yeah, it was one of the greatest adventures. Yeah. Very cool. So you guys had kind of came to that, you know, not full end, but end of those careers. And yeah. so how, what kind of led you to uh, our legacy fields? Mm -hmm. Well, we were both getting tired. Um, well, and, and, and not, I guess tired's not the right word, but, but kind of tired. You know, the kids were growing up and seeing how much of, you know, when they were little, they were both involved in youth sports and all kinds of stuff at school. And I just, I didn't have the time. My schedule was always weird and she always had to work long hours. And so, um, it got frustrating that we were missing some things and then we were missing time together too. Yeah. We didn't feel like we had enough time to spend together and vacations were always rushed and we had to go, you know, we had to go see family, but we also had, we needed, you know, it, it was planning it a vacation like a should work. not be stressful. No. <laughs> and so we started thinking about how to restructure our lives and Renee touched on it with okay well what's enough what yeah. what could we live on where where could we peel back our time I'm I'm a police officer so I could get off the streets and start where I became a detective and started working quote-unquote normal business hours and that gave us at least weekends together and some evenings and then you know just started evolving and then we um, Renee's parents uh, so her grandfather I need to go ahead to come back. So yeah. <laughs> her grandfather owned the farm that is now our legacy fields. Okay. And he bought it back in the 80s, and he raised racehorses there. Okay. He was getting older. He was in his 90s. And obviously a 90-something-year-old person <laughs> is going to have a hard time maintaining 10 acres of pasture. He didn't yeah. have horses anymore, but just mowing and general maintenance was becoming too much for him. Yeah. And he needed to go. He was going to go live in Montana with his daughter. And so... Renee's parents came to us and said, well, I think we need to sell the farm. And we were both like, what? Oh my gosh, yeah. What do you mean you're going to sell the farm? And well, wait a minute, don't sell it just yet. Let us figure some things out. And man, we busted out some spreadsheets and some calculators and how are we, you know, how are we going to, how can we afford two mortgages? Yeah. I don't know how we're going to, but we landed on, 
if we have to go bankrupt, we'll go bankrupt, but we're gonna, we, we need to this farm. This. It we needs to. to be our future. So at the, when, at the, that was in 2017 mm -hmm. when we made this decision. Yeah. Um, we didn't know what it was gonna be, but we knew it was gonna be our landing pad for retirement. We knew we wanted to kind of, for the most part, stay in this area. We thought we wanted to do a lot of traveling, but we just couldn't, you know, it was a special place to her as a child, and I've seen it a couple times, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of property, and it was like, we cannot let this go. We, we, we knew we were at a point where we needed more space and more time together and more time for the kids, and so that just seemed to really fit, and it, it, it was the most perfect and most impossible idea. Yeah. It, but we we would always regret it if we passed it up. Yeah. And, and we even told my parents, you know, no, we can't pursue it. You know, we, we don't know how this is going to pencil. The kids are in school, and we were down in South King County in suburbia. Yeah. But we were those neighbors in suburbia that had the backyard chickens and the farm that was busting out of the fences, you know, <laughs> the, the gardens and fruit trees and berry bushes and stuff. We, yeah. We were... Farmers looking for a farm. Yeah. We were a farmless farmer. Family. Yes, we were farmless farmers. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we knew we needed that. Yeah. We, we, we wanted space. And there's nothing more amazing than uh, being an open space in the Pacific Northwest in the summertime. Yeah. If we ever get a summer, that would be yeah, really You know, <laughs> someday. Uh, yeah, one day. Yeah, we're optimists. Remember? We had three yeah. summers last summer. Yes, we did. <laughs> three seasons of summertime. Um, so yeah, we, d we knew we just had to, to jump for it. Okay. And then we drove up to the farmhouse and it was, you know, my grandfather, he had dementia and was going into a home. And, and so time was, the hourglass was winding down and my dad was going to clear out the farmhouse and call the real estate agent to, to come and list it. And we drove up to see what we could do to help. And it was like another, it was like that panic attack. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're gonna do this. We gotta, we gotta figure it out. So we grabbed a notepad off grandpa's desk and sat down on a couch before it got moved out of the farmhouse and just penciled it out mm -hmm. and came up with our purchase and sale agreement right then and there. Mm -hmm. And like, we'll figure it out. We have no idea how this is gonna work, but we'll, we'll figure it out. It was like, well, I can just take overtime. I'll just work overtime and we'll pay Forever. for it. Which yeah. was exactly the opposite of what we were trying to I do. Know. <laughs> But we knew we had to give a little now to get a little later. Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy, but it ended up working out it did. perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So. It, well, and it was like a domino effect of things working out after that. Like, okay, well, we're going to secure the farm. We're going to buy it from the family. You know, what do we do with it until we retire? And we didn't even know when that date was. You know, so, okay, let's rent it. You know, who do we rent it to? Well, our, our farm sitter, the person who babysits our dogs and our little mini pigs and our chickens down in suburbia. Yeah call her and see if she wants to rent it yeah absolutely great okay mm -hmm. this is one thing working in our favor mm -hmm. and then one thing after another and then COVID hits mm -hmm. and oh. we all snap into remote work yeah and she was one of the very few Seattle police officers who could work remotely and I snapped my workforce into remote work the kids snapped into remote learning yeah it was like oh my gosh let's do this like let, let, let's move up to the farm yeah and let's advance on our dream. Mm -hmm. But before that happened, we went to Squim to the Lavender Festival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was what, 2019? 2019. 2019. Wow. Um, and we're like, okay, this is this is it. This is what we have to try to do at the farm one day. Yeah. And then COVID hits, and we're like, let's do it now. <laughs> we'll do. Yeah, we don't, we don't have anything else to do. Let's start a lavender farm. <laughs> 
So when you guys were looking at buying the farm, you guys had no idea what you wanted to do on the farm, like right. with no. the farm. Mm-mm. We just wanted the space okay. mm-hmm. up here. Um, like my childhood swing was still hanging from the, the walnut tree. Like that was, it was too, too close, too personal. Yeah to watch it slip through our fingers. Yeah. You know, I, I was very close to my grandmother and she passed, you know, after I graduated from, from high school. And, you know, my grandfather it felt like we were losing him every day. Yeah. And so it was like we can't lose this too. It felt too heavy. Yeah. You know, and like we we caught kittens in the hayloft of that barn. Right. My dad and grandpa built together. Like we oh, couldn't wow. we couldn't let this go. Okay. We had no idea what we would do with it, but we'll figure it out. We always do. Yeah. Um, Our idea was really we love the Pacific Northwest in the summer mm-hmm. um, every year except this one. And <laughs> <laughs> we knew we wanted to stay here for the summers. Yeah. And then we thought, well, we'll just travel the rest of the year. We'll go find some sunshine and cool thing. I mean, this country is amazing. Other yeah. countries are amazing. We'll, we'll, we'll travel. Yeah. But we wanted a landing pad up here for the summer and probably the fall, too. Um, so that was the only thing we knew. We wanted okay. space, and we wanted a place up here. Yeah. And it was a daily conversation. Yeah. You know, and we started writing lists down. You know, what are the things that matter most to us? What is what what's tied to our purpose? Yeah. What what is uh, you know, attached to joy firmly for mm-hmm. us? And like what are all the things that are connected to that that we can do with this place? Yeah. And community is important. You know, outdoor space. Uh, we wanted to grow our own food. We wanted to create a place for people to come and share this open space with mm-hmm. other people in our community. We have amazing neighbors. Like 36th Avenue Northwest is the coolest street in Stanwood. <laughs> and I'm sorry Just for all the other block. people in Stanwood. That think they have the yeah. coolest street. <laughs> like, I will arm wrestle about that. But it is, it's, it's really a great place. And uh, to not share it you know, would be a shame. Yeah. Um, and to tell the story of you know, how how it evolved, how it came to be. Yeah. You know, it started we as had, my grandparents' dream, and now we'll become ours. We yeah. had a little journal that had a pig with wings on the front. It said, when pigs fly. Yep. She got it for me very early in our relationship. Yeah. And we we always wrote out, like, goals. our wildest goals, our wildest dreams. Yeah. It yep. was not just, it was some financial goals in there. There was just, the bucket you know, list of life. Yeah. shoot for the moon. What yeah. is it? And we... We would do it at least once a year, mm-hmm. and sometimes we did it twice a year, and then we would go back and see, and watch it evolve. We still have that thing. It's we've fun. checked it's a million fun things to read. Out. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah, but when you, it, it just goes to show you, and I've always known this, but mm-hmm. you, when you write things down, it almost affirms for your brain for some reason. Like yeah. It's that, a plan. It's it truly is. what I want to do. It's not just a fleeting idea. I've I've taken the time to write it down. It's, yeah. It's very strange, but it's, yeah. No, it's pen powerful. to paper has has some sort of magic to it. It does. So, I agree. And and the other thing I've I have heard is um, not only that, but a thought, no matter how much you wrestle with it in your mind, is still this thought. It's very there's no shape to it, no form. Mm-hmm. When you write something you have to so clearly articulate what you're trying to say because otherwise if you just write you're going to write this thing and be like i have no idea what i was trying to yes. say yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so but when you actually are you know can figure out okay i like you know i like travel well what does that really mean what am mm-hmm. i looking for in mm-hmm. travel mm-hmm. oh it's this okay so does that mean like i'm looking for this type part of the world this part of the world or yes you know and so it starts to narrow that down but um 
Yeah, that's really cool that you guys have, have kept this journal and can continually have been able yes. to... Uh, In fact, we need to get back on it because yeah. it's almost like, well, we, we haven't arrived. quite arrived, but we, but we have. We don't have anything beyond this now, and so we, mm -hmm. we got we to gotta just add that to the to-do list. Which is <laughs> it's tough to imagine. Like, it, it's, it, it feels really great mm -hmm. to have created this amazing life, yeah. you know? And we were walking around at sunset last night through our fields. And we're like, I can't believe we get to live here. Yeah. You know, this, look at what we have done. And I will look through photos, you know, of this date last year or the year before, the evolution of this farm. It's, it's amazing. The, the poor farmhouse, 1932, cute as can be, was falling apart. You know, it was, it was literally falling apart. Um, you know, all the fence boards were falling apart. Like, we've buttoned this place back to, like, the glory years yeah. of when... You know, my grandfather and his brother put every fence post in, in the pasture and and built this place, you know, with my dad. And now we get to caretake. And my dad, he lives in Stanwood now, too. My, my parents do. Okay. And they live, they had a cabin on Worm Beach. Like, this is how meant to be this whole thing is. They had a cabin on Worm Beach. And at the same time we were thinking about Stanwood. Yeah. They were selling their house in Carnation to build on Lake Martha here in Stanwood. Okay. And so all of this collided yeah. around the same time. But now he come, he pops over. It's 17 minutes door to door from his house to ours, and he can help us with a project. Nice. He help us tune up the barn. Yeah. Fix the gate. Yeah, he helped us it's a lot. Pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So then you guys finally decided on like you went to the lavender festival yeah. and were just blown away by that. When when you guys did that, what did you think as far as like um, like the business plan of building that out? Then mm -hmm. what did that kind of look like for you guys when you were doing that process? Well, we met some of the most amazing people, farmers over in Swim, mm -hmm. and we visited a whole bunch of farms during that festival, and they were so warm and generous with their information, and it felt like such a non-competitive business line, you know, yeah. like a. A career choice. Mm -hmm. They really wanted everyone to have lavender in their yard. They wanted to tell you exactly what this amazing plant does and all the all the ways to use it. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, the idea that we would grow it, uh, they would be completely on the board, and they have been on board. Uh, they've come out to visit our farm. And oh, cool! Like, Don't grow lavender here. You're crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it first started. Well, hope we'll plant. You know, we'll plant a couple of plants in the yard and see which varieties we like the best, what does well, uh, if it likes our soil, um, if we can keep it alive. And then, Yeah, our notebook says 50 plants. 50 we'll plants. try 50 plants yeah. and see. Tell and then how much we <laughs> Planting day was... Planting day was 3,200 plants. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we don't know how to do small dreams. We do big dreams. Yeah. It was probably the biggest leap of all the leaps we've taken. You would think that <laughs> buying the farm would have been the biggest. No, no. three thousand plants. No, hold my. Coffee. We were so, we so out over our skis with that one, but uh. it worked out. They're all alive for the most part. Yeah. We, I, he, the the farmer that we bought the plants from said, "Oh, you may lose about five percent, so about two hundred-ish plants, maybe." And I think we've lost. It's less than twenty. Wow. So you do have some loss, obviously, with any plant, but. We've had far less. Lavender really needs three years before you know for sure it's established. So okay. we still could lose more, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, but Incredible. my goodness, yeah, we yeah. we just jumped in, and with yeah, you know, COVID was 
not a good thing for so many people and I would never wish what happened to so many people to right. happen but for us COVID was the ability to realize our dream yeah and um, we were able to not only keep our jobs and pay the bills but to be able to move up here and sell the house in King County mm -hmm. well now math works because yeah. we only have one mortgage and yeah. Now we have, there's no more two hours of our day spent commuting. Right. Now I can go outside and plant 3,000 plants and weed <laughs> them. And, you know, we could do all of these things because we don't have a commute anymore. Yeah. I mean, I still had to go in quite a bit, especially during the riots and stuff. But somebody was always home. Yeah. And so, um, and, you know, the kids are now teenagers. They didn't help a lot, but they did help some. And, we, you know, we're closer to some friends of ours, and they were able to help us. And it just turned out to be this really um, pivotal time for us to be able to put the two worlds together. It's yeah. no longer our future world, it's our present world. And yeah. So it was pretty cool. We fast forwarded on that mm -hmm. when pigs fly bucket list. Oh boy, did we. We, we blew through some pages <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so you guys have started building towards this, but you guys actually have a, a grand opening day planned out now, we right? Do, yes. Yeah, 4th awesome. of July weekend. Okay. So July 2nd and 3rd. Okay. Uh, we're throwing open the gates. We're calling it our big out to pasture party. Out to pasture, and out party. To pasture for us, you know, as career people, like we're literally going out to pasture. <laughs> um, but, you know, Grandpa's old pasture is turning, it has been transformed into lavender fields. And so we'll cut the ribbon. Uh, the Chamber of Commerce is coming up on, on Saturday the 2nd. We're going to have food trucks and live music on both days, activities for the kids. We've partnered with uh, Lopez Island Creamery oh, nice. to do some signature ice cream flavor. Yes. Which we're mm -hmm. super excited about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, just a lot of fun stuff. Nice. Um, and we thought, you know, a, a while ago, this is how our brains work and our ambitions, I guess. We'll just create a cool place for people to come and have a U-Pick field for people to, to gather a bouquet of flowers. And we start. We had always made soap for ourselves. Our yeah. kids have sensitive skin, so it just was a thing. Um, so let's make soap. You know, let's make oil. Let's make bath salts. Let's make room spray. Like all the things that we enjoyed, mm -hmm. uh, we started to create. So now we've got a whole host of products that we offer, and we've been selling it. I think this is coming up on our third day at the Stanwood Farmers Market. Yep. Okay. This Friday, so mm -hmm. we're at we're at the farmers market on Fridays. Nice, which is awesome. Um, yeah, despite the weather, it's been really nice. It's yeah, been it's, fun. It's been fun. We're, it's a new one. We don't have us. anything to compare it to. So I think right. our, the, everything's great. The <laughs> one of the seller, one of the vendors in the booth next to us was describing us. She's like, they're new and shiny and happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's us. Everything's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, very cool. So yeah. then what are some of the products that you guys are producing right now? You got to tell the oil story. That's the coolest. The oil story? Yeah, I'll tell it. So <laughs> last year, May 1st, 2021, we planted 3,200 plants with friends and family. Okay. And, and our neighbors came out. It was a one day. We thought we'd get a couple hundred plants in the ground. Yeah. We had no idea every single plant would be planted. It was incredible. Incredible. There's wow. about 30, 30 of our favorite people in life yeah. came and showed up that day. 
to well, help us plant. We bribed them with margaritas, but yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't have one until we they were done planting. With, yeah, we catered it with Mexican food, and my dad can make a mean margarita. And nice. he said the bar opens as soon as we're done. Yeah. And so everyone wanted to get done. <laughs> and then we had a big bonfire. It was an amazing day. Like, wow. I still hurt from that day. Mm-hmm. But... Um, then the heat wave, like it literally, oh, you know, no. all the baby plants need to be watered in probably weekly yeah. until maybe that first year. And we were told by all the Pacific Northwest lavender farmers, you don't need irrigation in the Pacific Northwest. You, you do need not need irrigation. Lavender hates, you know, a lot of rain. And it's a Mediterranean plant. And oh. so we're like, okay, we won't install irrigation. And then it literally didn't rain for, you know, four months. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Not once. We didn't get one raindrop. Not one. So we did have to scramble to put in some last-minute irrigation after a couple of mental breakdowns in the field. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I I cleared the house of all the chocolate. It was bad. There was some tears. That was so bad. A lot of sweat. I don't like to work that hard. Um, But we... We think the lavender really thrived in that heat wave. Oh, it did. We kept it watered. It loved the uh, heat. But it loved the heat. Okay. And so we had this amazing bonus harvest of lavender. I'm part of this awesome um, community buy nothing group. Yeah. Here in Stanwood. And I just posted on there, like, come get free bundles of lavender. You know, come pick this these flowers up. And met some of the coolest people in doing that. Mm-hmm. Our community is so awesome. But we were we were able to take boxes of cut lavender over to Squim, where we met this woman who's a perfumist, and she distills oils from all kinds of plants, but okay. she has a, a lavender, small lavender farm of her own over there. And so she was going to teach us how to distill oil. And show, she had two different stills, and we knew we probably needed um, at least one of them. So she said, we can do a small batch in this little still and a big batch in the big still. Just bring, all, bring this much lavender with you. And we did, and we spent the whole day with her. She was amazing. Yeah. Taught us all kinds of things. We luckily took a lot of notes. Well, Renee did. Uh, took a lot of notes <laughs> and videotaped some of it. Um, and we were able to distill a ton of oil and get we won a couple of... She, she said, you know what? You have to take some of this oil and submit it to the... the it's an international lavender sommelier okay. contest. And some of the best noses in the business of lavender and perfumists smell your oil and then rate you. Okay. And uh, so we submitted like, oh gosh, it probably smells like a foot. You know, because we are brand new. This is our very first and She told us first year lavender doesn't normally win, but go ahead and but submit it. But go ahead, it. it'll it's be fun. fun. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, you'll get, you'll, you might get some good feedback, right? Like, cute, try again. Um, <laughs> so we submit and we ran two. One's Grosso, so a, a beautiful French variety that uh, it's, it's a beautiful lavender, probably the most traditional smelling lavender. It's okay. in all of our products. And then a Melissa. Melissa uh-huh. variety is a culinary variety. It's okay. Lovely pink flowers. It has a pink really flower, nice, But a yeah. sweet oil smell. And so we, we did distillation runs with both of those and then submitted. And we won gold and silver. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So we were floored, totally blown away that that could, that's even possible. 
possible. Well, we yeah. got our plants from a farm over in Squim, and they have all the awards up on in their shop. And yeah. so our the plants of our DNA are the same yeah. DNA as theirs. So we we owe but it to them. But still, yeah. That cool? Wow. And our very first distillation ever in the history of our distillation. And she kept telling us, "No, you have to do this. You have." And so she stood back and just talked Let us, us through it. it, and it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so we bought our still. Uh, we, we picked the one that we wanted after that practice run, and we'll make oil from hopefully a, a lovely crop this year. Okay. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So how has this year been with all the rain and oh, everything gosh. that's going on? Because you, you just got done saying lavender loves the sun yeah. and this, and yes. then we have this year. You know, we're worried about it, but what can you do? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, lavender, rain can kill lavender. We mounted up our plants. Um, we knew we we get... We're in a little bit of Squim's rain shadow. So okay. we get less rain than Seattle, but we get more rain than Squim. And okay. so the farmer from Squim that came over, he said, you, you're going to want to mound it up. Mm -hmm. So it's like big potato mounds, maybe a foot high. Yeah. And we planted the plants in that. So we're hoping they're okay because their root systems are still in the mound. Okay. And we did, we spotted over the winter um, a couple of low areas in our field where water will collect. And, it, and that's what they really don't want is to sit in water. Okay. And so we'll install some French drains this fall to address those water issues. But we're hoping, um, you know, that the... There, I, all you can do is hope. There's yeah. there's absolutely nothing we can do at this yeah. point. Yeah, we've got and two or three early bloomers looking like they're they're starting to show color. Yeah, they and look. Everything's got buds. Everything, everything has buds. Everything's still alive. Like I said, we only lost wow. maybe over the whole year less than twenty plants. Yeah. Okay. Um, and most of those were little ones that just never took off right yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know all we can do is just keep going and if some of them die from this year's too much rain then we'll replace them and yeah. keep going and it, for you guys with lavender plants um do you guys are you able to take your own lavender plants and then replant like to to grow Propagate new them? yeah yes yeah okay we'll take cuttings off of them when we trim them back this fall okay uh, and then start try our hand we we practiced propagation a couple years ago and we're successful we had a hundred percent success rate so i think We've got a teeny tiny little greenhouse. Yeah. We'll try our hand at it. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And so with lavender, is it is it like ivy or like where you just put the sprig in and you use that? Mm -hmm. Yep. Like there's not a seed seed? Nope. Nope. Okay. Yeah. You can grow lavender from seed, but the it's DNA, hard to do. it's hard to do and you won't get a consistent plant, oddly. Yeah. Um, and so really propagation is the way to go. Okay. So you'll get the exact same plant, exact same DNA. They'll all look the same. and. Mm -hmm. So we'll, and it's a lot easier. Yeah. Yes. A yeah. higher success rate. So we'll just propagate, try mm -hmm. our hand at that this fall and see how it goes. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I know you guys, I, I'm sure a lot of the focus is on that big opening weekend and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as you kind of look past that and you look into the future of the next five years and so or so, what do you kind of see as the, the vision for our legacy farms? Well, we want, fields? we want it to be you know, a summer farm for people to come to and enjoy. And then we want to close the gate at the end of lavender season uh, and enjoy the farm for, with our family. Okay. And, um, you know, there's a lot of activities and markets, you know, the holiday markets, those kinds of things that we might participate in. Um, but really, we want to stay small. We want to stay quaint. You know, our area of East Uncorporated Stanwood is so bucolic and gorgeous and beautiful. 
we want it to stay that way. Yeah. You know, we w don't want it. We don't want to create. We just got out of a big machine. Yeah. We don't want to invent another one. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and we really want to encourage people to find that thing and then bring it to that level of enough and then enjoy that. Yeah. You know, don't let your ambitions spiral into something that becomes stressful again. Right. Uh, and I think it'll, for us, it'll take a little bit of self-evaluating to figure out, like, what's that limit? Yeah. Where is that? And we've been tested a couple of times, you know, a couple um, approach us for an idea of having a wedding on the farm. Gosh, do we want big events on the farm? We're not really sure. Yeah. Um, and so there's some ideas noodling. Um, but for now, I think we just want to be a small, quaint, relaxing element in our community. Yeah. Yeah. I think the farm itself is, our vision for the farm has always been that it will be a place for people to come and relax and get away from it all. Yeah. Because that's what it is for us. And we yeah. really want to project that to anyone who needs it. Yeah. Um, whatever you're too busy is, come here and get away from it. And so it's not about coming to our farm to buy our stuff or to do, you know, we're, we're not creating a space that that is a high-end uh, spa-like place. That's yeah. just not our style. We want it to be a farm, first and foremost, because that's what it's always been, that happens to grow lavender and will process this lavender and make products if that's what you want to buy but we're literally letting people borrow blankets to go sit out in the field and just books. just smell it or sit in a rocking a chair and read a book or yeah. take a nap or we don't care if you buy anything we don't please don't harm anything while you're here yeah. but um just come and get away from it mm -hmm. take a deep breath whatever it is that helps you reset mm -hmm. and that's that's truly our goal for the place. That may evolve yeah. uh, as people say, well, maybe you should do this, or have you ever thought about doing that? Well, yeah, we'll take all of that into consideration, yeah. but the profit center is not ever gonna be it. That's not ever gonna be our focus. Uh, we set this up so that, you know, financially, if it does a little bit, that would be great, because then we could go on a nice vacation every year. <laughs> but if it doesn't earn a dime, we're okay. We don't need it to pay our bills. And so I think for that reason, we'll always be able to keep that focus of this place is, is just a place for you to come and enjoy. Yeah. However enjoyment looks for you. And I think we need, we've said it so many times, that's our focus, let's mm -hmm. stay on that. Yeah. And not get, cause it's really easy, people wanna know. Yeah. Oh, well set up a website and sell your stuff online and then you'll, you'll increase your sales. Mm -hmm. well, I don't even know what my sales are yet, let alone how to increase them. <laughs> let me, let's just, we don't want an online store because that's not who we are. We don't want to be in our basement packaging lavender products to ship them out in the middle of winter. Yeah. That's, no thank you. We want to create it because yeah. we like to make crafts. We like to do these things. It, we've had some phenomenal conversations in our, our basement laboratory where mm -hmm. we're making these products from scratch. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been meditative. It's been relaxing for it's us a lot to, of fun, to do this. But to do it all year round for right. online sale, that doesn't sound fun anymore. That sounds like a job. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, think our job is to take the job out of it. Yeah. yeah. You know? It needs to always be fun for us, but it also just needs to be it needs to be more of a place than a thing, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Is, is what we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, awesome. So I like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what purchase of $100 or less have you enjoyed the most in the last three months? I've got a good one. Go ahead. All right. 
right. So the Stanwood Camano Thrift Store. Yeah. Or Food Bank. Mm -hmm. Amazing. They have 50% off Fridays on furniture. And I love a bargain. So in our <laughs> effort to finding enough, I've always loved a good yard sale or estate sale. Or I'm a thrift hunter. Yeah. But I went down for 50% off Fridays on furniture and found this awesome desk. Mm -hmm. It was on sale for $30. And so I got it for 15 bucks. And it is beautiful. It's a mid-century modern old desk, wood desk. Wow. And it's now the checkout counter in our little farm stand <laughs> nice. in our barn. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. That's definitely mine. <laughs> uh, just to piggyback on that, the whole farm is, or the whole barn mm -hmm. is the, the product displays, the checkout counter, everything is all either repurposed from the farm or she picked it up on the Buy Nothing group. Like mm -hmm. We yeah. really intentionally tried to not buy new things um and so the just whole, just piggybacking on your thing, yeah, she did buy the desk but again it was from it was from the thrift store so that was, yeah. that was a deal yeah super deal yeah but we want this place to be approachable you know i want people to feel comfortable bringing their children into mm -hmm. this area and not feel like they're gonna shatter anything right mm -hmm. um but and also to to try to encourage other people like you can do this and do it on the cheap you don't have to be uh, a, a lottery winner in order to yeah. achieve your goal or set up a shop it yep. can literally be out of pallets and thrifted items and you know free bookcases and stuff like it's i don't know it's been a fun journey yeah yeah we've we've evolved over time we uh i mean when we first had the marketplace it was basically all eclectic yeah. displays mm -hmm. like hobbled together tables and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. We've evolved certain things, which is, has helped kind of like, so you can actually see everything when well, you walk in. Yeah, Because nice. things were like way over your head, yep. literally, and yeah. you're like, I can't, I don't know what that is. So, yep. um, but yeah, it, it, it has a different feel when you see that. Yeah. Sure. So, awesome. All right. Who is the most influential person outside of your family in your life? For me, it's, it's my boss. Um, he... He took a chance on me. Well, I didn't really give him give him an opportunity. <laughs> he could have said no. He could have said no. But he wanted to start his dream, and I was on board for that. Yeah. And he trusted me enough to let me go on that ride with him. And um, we got to this groove where, like, I would complete his sentences, you know. And, and we, we created this flow of starting this commercial real estate firm um, where we just understood each other's intentions and the goals yep. and um, yeah he, he's inspired me in so many ways how to work really hard for what you want yeah you know how to take a, a, a dream from an idea you know the concept to reality mm -hmm. um, I had that example over and over again in my yeah. life you know my, my father started his his business from scratch out of the spare bedroom in our house and I couldn't pick him because you said non-family member <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely, definitely my boss. Yeah. And when I came to him with this idea, um, you know, we there were tears, of course. I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? But a hundred percent support. Like, how could you not? Yeah. You know, all all of all of your ideas and intentions are in the right place, and you're focused on the right things. And I support you, and we'll make it work. Yeah. Uh, as long as we can hit an emergency button and call on you. Um, and you'll, you'll actually pick up the phone, mm -hmm. then we're okay, but go live your dream. 
Yeah. And that's incredible. Yeah. You know, how many people have the, the pleasure of having a boss or supervisor that just says, yeah, go do it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, it took me a little while to think of this because influential or inspiring. I've had a lot of inspiring people in my life, but yeah. influential. And I kind of went back and forth on a couple of people, but I think uh, my very first sergeant, his name was Jake. His name is Jake McGann. He's retired. Um, he was so much fun to work with, so much fun to work with, but he always was preaching at us. Just, it's not about being right or wrong. Just go be a good cop. Go do the right thing. Yeah. Go help the people. And, you know, paperwork sucks, but do the paperwork because, and he would always send my reports back to me. I need to know what you mean by this. I need to know what you mean by that. And I'm telling you, you're gonna, this is gonna help you one day. You know, he was a very tall man. So it <laughs> felt like he was talking down to me and he had this very deep voice, but he would pat me on the head, literally. <laughs> you're gonna thank me. You're gonna thank me for this one day. And um, it ended up serving me very well. I ended up in court a couple times, um, you know, justifying my paperwork. and. And I remember smiling to myself thinking, thanks, Jake, because <laughs> now I remember why I wrote that and what that was about because I stopped and expanded on it. And yeah. it he influenced the, the kind of cop that I was. And then when I became a trainer to new cops, I, without pointing my finger at people and <laughs> using my deep voice, or I certainly didn't pat anyone on the head, but I tried to remember, you know, this is what Jake taught me and that's what I'm going to teach them. It's the... It's the right way to be a cop, and yeah. I want, you know, everybody wants the good cops. Um, we spend yeah. a lot of time talking about the bad ones, but let's all try to be the good one. And yeah. so this is how it gets done, is you, you just do it the right way. It's not that hard. Sometimes yeah. it's the longer road, as it was with anything in life. So mm-hmm. I think he influenced That's very influenced cool. Me That's awesome. <laughs> all right, this is a fill-in-the-blank question. Um, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to blank. I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to be a farmer's market vendor. <laughs> I've been going to farmer's markets forever. Yep. And we've traveled. We've had uh, the privilege of going to amazing farmer's markets in Italy and in Peru. And it is such a, a collection of community yeah. and their good works yep. uh, and their talents and their joy and everyone sharing that with one another. And it's a great way to... to like put your finger on the pulse of your region, of yeah. your area. Yeah. And I love that. That's just such an inspiring and happy vibe for me. And now to be at the farmer's market here in Stanwood is yep. like, yep, dream realized. <laughs> That's checked off in yep. the Wind Pigs Fly book. Nice. Yeah. yeah. After the first market, I was like, well, what? this is it. How, how was it? And she's like, this is amazing. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Uh, I know this is weird, but I've always wanted to learn to play guitar. Yeah. And I, you can't see on a podcast, but I have the most insanely short fingers, and it's really hard for me to play guitar. I've picked it up and tried three or four times. I have a guitar hanging on my wall. I have the time to learn it. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, we're going to figure it out. It's, we're going to figure it's it called, out. It's in the book. It's going <laughs> to yeah, she has this vision of me just busting out the guitar and uh-huh. not singing. But I'm gonna make the campfire. There will be a Pendleton blanket and some like whiskey in the coffee, and sh- I'm gonna hand her the guitar, and it's gonna work. 
Yeah. There we go. So yeah. I, like I, it. I still want to. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's plenty of examples out there of people who have learned to play guitar or piano that don't have, you know, the ideal hands or whatever, and uh, you can do it. So you're saying my excuse is yeah. not a good you one. You gotta be like Dolly yes. Parton, grow your nails out. There That's it is. Strums. That I should be like Dolly yeah. Parton. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who is an interesting or fascinating person that I should interview next? Gosh, we've got a couple. Of, we we well, wrote down a couple. Yeah. yeah, we've we've met amazing people since we moved here. Um, like all of our neighbors, you should know all of them. Um, you will love every single one of them. Uh, Christy and Joyful from Little Roots Farm. Christy and Joyful. They are. They are so cool. It's Little so nice. Roots Ranch it's Little is Roots the name Ranch. of their business. They run okay. a CSA that I believe mostly um, provides produce on the island, I believe. I so. Okay. But she's got a, a new YouTube channel that's awesome. I watch every single oh, one nice. of her, mm-hmm. her episodes that come out. You call them episodes? Clips? I think so. Yeah. 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 Um, but such happy people chasing their dream. Yeah. And, and we love that. Like, the world needs more people like that. Yeah. Um, Kimberly from uh, Rocks and Dirt Bakery. She's here on Camino Island. She's actually going to come to our open, our uh, grand opening and do a couple of culinary demos for us. Oh, Which sweet. is awesome. Um, gosh, there's so many people. Farmhouse Flower Farm. Farmhouse Flower Farm. Marin, I believe her last name is Mavis. So nice. We just met her. She's yeah. very nice. She's running. Um, More than I just think dahlias. It's like she peonies does so and much. dahlias, and she does a lot of flowers. We drive by her farm all the time. It's close to our our farm, mm-hmm. and just like hearts in the eyes. Yeah, it's her. It's beautiful. Nice. Uh, but she's chasing her dream too. Yeah. And we love dream chasers. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. And if you guys think of more, you can always email me more as well. I'm always looking for new guests. All right, and lastly, what piece of advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Invest early and often. Max your 401k. <laughs> write, write it out. Write the dreams down. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh. I don't know, I've got like a million dadisms. You know, my dad, <laughs> he never gave me very specific advice. Like, ne- I would go to him, tell me exactly what to do, and he would give me the... The dad, like, well, you got to measure twice and cut once. Like, what does that even mean, dad? <laughs> and it's not until later in life you're like, okay, yeah, the cryptic, you know, dad advice. Um, but just pay attention to what lights you up. Yeah. Uh, pay attention to what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, your occupation is attached to that somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, chase your purpose in that way. Do what you enjoy, do what you're good at, yeah. and chances are those two things will connect you to what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then watch as that evolves throughout your life. You know, we could be very well going through one of the, the greatest midlife crisis of our time, but it's awesome, and we're here for as it. As long as it's fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's ride the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but just pay attention to how things change, and yeah. don't be afraid of a reinvention. Yeah. Yeah. Um... On it, 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 it might sound weird, but I would just kind of high-five myself and say, just keep going, yeah, kiddo. Because <laughs> I just, I had no fear from the beginning, and I don't have it today, and I'm so grateful for that, and I don't know where I got that from. Yeah. Because my parents are very, um, hey, let's think about this kind of people, <laughs> you know. Um, and so 
I'm just glad that I've lived. I don't have any regrets in my life, even though, you know, who knows how you pick one door over the other. I don't know, and I don't care, because it's led me to here, which is, which is great. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful that I'm just one of those people that's like, oh, you want to try a lavender farm? Let's go for it. Why not? <laughs> what do we got to lose? Um, awesome. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Renee and Lee for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. That's CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next time.